So last Sunday, we heard Jesus telling his disciples about the shrewd manager. And you may have even noticed me nodding from the pews as Chris began his sermon, okay, let's just say it up front, this is a difficult parable. And I may have even verbalized during the week gratitude for getting to preach on this parable instead of last week's parable. But the reality is, parables are never easy. So in today's text, Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees in response to their sneering about Jesus associating with tax collectors and sinners. They feel Jesus is hanging around the wrong people. So what they really mean there is that Jesus is hanging around people who aren't like them. So we know this from verse 14, which is not included in today's lectionary, but is important to give us context. And we'll remember that verse 14 will come right after that final verse from last week's passage. You cannot serve God in wealth. And from that, Luke keeps on going right into 14 that says, the Pharisees who were lovers of money heard all this and they ridiculed him. So Jesus is responding to these judgmental Pharisees when he tells this parable to them. The rich man, who is nameless in this parable, seems not to see the poor man who is just outside the gate. Let us think about names for a moment. Lavishly rich people often take pride in other people knowing their name, right? There are even buildings named after people who donate enough money, which allow their names to be spoken very often. And this rich man certainly would have been known in his community. So leaving him unnamed in this parable is a subtle way to show who is really important. At this gate lay a poor man named Lazarus. By naming the poor man, the parable is pronouncing he is the one who matters here. And choosing the name Lazarus is also significant. This isn't that same Lazarus you might be thinking about in John's gospel. But Lazarus in Hebrew means Eliezer. And that means the one whom God helps. So the name is very significant. So the one in this parable, the one whom God helps, is the one without a home, without wealth, and without power. Does this remind you of other teachings of Jesus? Maybe, but many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. It's just one of the many times that Jesus turns our thinking upside down. So as individuals and as a society, we like to believe that we are growing and evolving, right? But the truth is that much hasn't changed since the biblical times. 
It appears this rich man was so absorbed that he didn't see Lazarus right outside his gate. And I'm sad to say this continues today. Too often we are self-absorbed in our life, in moving ahead, in a, appearing to have it all together, that we fail to see Lazarus right in front of us. We may not have people gathering on our doorsteps like some downtown churches, but we were reminded at Wednesday Night Live this week by Valencia Breckenridge, GraceWorks CEO, that we certainly have needs in our community. We, there are people laying right outside our gates. And as one commentary says, this is a parable of startling contrasts, but its central message is simple. Be alert to the needs under your nose. Without an eye for the needy around us, our life becomes self-centered and callous. Jesus is asking his listeners to open their eyes to what is around them and to open their ears to the simple commands of the gospel. Love your neighbor. And Jesus calls us not just to love our neighbor, but to love our neighbor as ourselves. And we all love to have full bellies. And we all love to have a place to call home. We also love to be seen, acknowledged, and remembered. We often focus on people outside our congregation as our neighbor in need. But what about our fellow member who is struggling? Do we have eyes to see people in our congregation who are hungry for companionship or thirsting for comfort as they struggle with grief, depression, anxiety, or other life issues in addition to the physical hunger and thirst? Some have asked what they can do to help while I'm on sabbatical. And I think this text offers one answer to that question. As I hear an invitation to continually open your eyes to the person in front of you, to open your ears to their story by listening to where they hunger and they thirst in their life, and then to open your heart to respond in love. This past weekend, while Jim and I were visiting Julie in St. Louis, we went on the Clydesdale tour at the Anheuser-Busch Brewery. And the Clydesdales are beautiful animals with a rich history. But as I returned home reflecting on this scripture, I kept thinking about how they wear blinders in parades because their vision influences their behavior. So these Clydesdales, they, they wear blinders to keep them focused on what is in front of them. And this is helpful for them. But in general, blinders can also be harmful. Blinders can prevent us from seeing all that is around us. And money, among other things, 
can become blinders when we aren't careful. In the words of John R. Donahue, one of the prime dangers of wealth is that it causes blindness. The wealth of this rich man appears to have acted as blinders for him. What are our blinders? Wealth? Busyness? Only listening to one news outlet? How do our blinders make us closed off to new ways of thinking and interacting with others? This parable teaches us to remove the blinders that prevent us from seeing those around us. This parable teaches us that people and relationships are more important than money and wealth. This parable teaches us that community is more valuable than power. And this parable teaches us that caring for others and loving one another are always more important. And using the words of another commentary in response to what makes this parable so powerful and why we return to it so often, it says it demands continual conversion. It narrates the twists and turns of discipleship in the context of Luke's unfolding narrative of Jesus' journey to Jerusalem, where he faces torment at the hands of the powerful elite and ultimately vindication by God. This parable and our faith demand continual conversion. Faith isn't a one-time thing. We don't declare Jesus is our Lord and Savior and then go about living the exact same way. Faith demands continual conversion. Faith is responding to God's grace through worship, study, and service each and every day. Remember, parables are never easy. As part of our children's worship curriculum, we ask our children wonder questions. We wonder about the scripture they hear each week. And today, I am wondering where you see yourself in this parable. Maybe you see yourself as the rich man. We live busy lives that cause us to move around at a fast pace with blinders, focused on the next thing and without time or energy to truly look around. Maybe the rich man didn't intentionally say, I'm not going to help this human outside my gates. Maybe he just didn't see him. Maybe he didn't pause long enough to look up, to see this fellow human being, to listen to his story, and to respond with love. Perhaps you see yourself as Lazarus. Perhaps you have physical or emotional needs right now. Perhaps you feel unseen and ignored by those around you who are too busy to see you and to recognize your needs. Either of these is reasonable. But I wonder if Jesus is inviting us to see ourselves as the rich man's brothers who need to repent, 
who need to turn around and to move their lives in a new direction. Maybe we are the ones the rich man is trying to warn. We have Moses and the prophets. That is all we should need to be able to see and to listen and to respond with love. But God knew we needed more. The last verse from today's reading is filled with irony and foreshadowing. As Abraham says to the rich man, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced, even if someone rises, rises from the dead. The irony of this parable is that the message of Moses and the prophets are not enough for the initial audience or for us. God has already sent Jesus who is telling this parable, but his teaching isn't enough. Christ's torment and death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead still isn't enough for us to live as kingdom people all the time. Even knowing Jesus spent most of his time with outcasts and sinners and gave names to the nameless isn't enough all the time for us to see the person in front of us in need, to listen to their story and to respond with love. Thankfully, Christ not only died and rose from the dead for us, but Christ also reigns in power and praise for us. As we often hear, just like today from the font, anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. May we embrace this new life in Christ and the continual conversion it demands. May we have eyes to see those around us. May we have ears to listen to their stories. And may we have hearts to respond with love. May it be so. Amen.